Hey everyone, this is Allison. And this is Courtney. And you are listening to Murder Porn. Yay! Welcome! (laughs) Welcome back! (laughs) So welcome back everyone. This is our second episode being recorded after switching platforms and getting all of the new software set up. So um, we have switched from Anchor to Podbean. And with that, we are working on being available on Apple Podcasts and on um, Amazon Audible. Mm -hmm. Um, Additionally, we are on Spotify, Google Music, and Podbean. Podbean. I feel like I also was like looking at something and it said Edge. I have no clue what that is. Same. Um, on the Podbean uh, platform, there's access to a website that Courtney put together for us. Mm-hmm. There's links to all of her social. She's getting um, an Insta put together for us. Um, yep. And there's um, our email address so that you can contact us. You can also direct message or comment on the episodes and interact in that capacity. Yeah. So if you have any, like requests or anything for future episodes or just like general commentary to like help us that would be great because we are still figuring stuff out as we like go we're very green yeah this is definitely a trial by error kind of situation so that's that's how this is going on so okay you got anything to give to us oh yeah thought you were asking me a question and I was like no nope, but I've got nothing really to say I just got nothing got nothing <laughs> to say once again so this is another one of those ones where we have recorded this before so but I researched it and then recorded it and then put it down for several weeks so bear with me kiddos bear Honest, with me honestly I don't remember every single detail of this case okay cool so it might be a shock cool or I might it might refresh me Before we get started, I just want to invite everybody to take a moment, go find us on Podbean or your, you know, um, platform of choice and hit that like or subscribe button. Share this episode, please, please, please. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's, that's cool. Thank you. Let's go. If you could. <laughs> Thank um, you. You know, this is Allison telling the story this week. So, um, as we know, I'm not as in-depth as Courtney is. But I make up for it in enthusiasm and cuss words. I don't know how I get so, like, crazy in-depth. You just have... I think you just have more time than me, to be super honest. I also think that, like, sometimes I... If I hear a story and I'm like, okay, wait, I have questions... Yeah. I want to know what the questions are, so I look for the questions that I might have. So nobody has questions. Well, I feel like the Dior episode kept getting longer and longer because you would tell it to me and then I would bring up valid questions or and then it would make you think and then you would research it and add it. And so mm-hmm. after doing it three times, yeah, it became a whole thing. It I'm did. done with that story for a very long time. Yeah. But if you guys are interested after hearing that and listening to more um, missing 411 cases, Courtney would be interested in actually doing a sub-series on that. Yes. So, you know, make your voice be heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So this week, I am telling the story of Kirk Bloodsworth. And this is a precedent-setting case. It's very important. And that's why I felt the need 
to tell it. Also, like, for it being such an important case, you don't hear, hear it told very often, which is no. really surprising to me. No. I had heard about it before a little bit, a wee little bit. Not much. Yeah. Um, but it was usually in relation to why witness testimony, like, sucks ass. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's totally true. Which it's I think, completely unreliable. I'd like to do a junk science sub series. I've yeah. thought about that a lot. Like, why are bite? Why is bite mark evidence not admissible? Why are um, polygraphs not admissible? Things yeah. of that nature. But I really think it's kind of just something that you touch upon when you speak about a case. I also think that this case and like other cases where somebody has been convicted based off of eyewitness testimony um, is really applicable to all the Lacey Peterson stuff because of the fact that a bunch of people claim to have seen Lacey eyewitnesses. I think they just, well, and people really just want and they want it to be helpful. They just want to be helpful. Well, I think it seems to be an argument on um, Scott Peter, like on Scott Peterson's side as to why he might be innocent or why he should have a brand new trial. That motherfucker is guilty as hell. Let him rot. Don't waste any more taxpayer resources on him. Fun fun fact, Brandon thinks he's innocent. Of course he does. <laughs> I feel like if I ever get married again, I'm going to have like a questionnaire yes. that I give to yes. a man. Who killed John Bonet? Who, who killed Scott John Peterson. Bonet? Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson. Innocent or guilty? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to Madeline McCann? Yeah. And if I don't agree with you, I don't think we can stay together. Speaking of Madeline McCann, there's a new person of interest in her case. Not just a person of this interest. He's a suspect. Oh, they're actually officially calling yeah, him a suspect, a suspect now? suspect. Yeah. I thought in Europe they always said, like, person of interest instead of suspect. No, I, I keep hearing suspect, but maybe, maybe in Europe they are calling him person of interest, but they're interpreting it over to, like... American. I would be very interested <laughs> to see what kind of evidentiary support they would have to charge him at this point and how that situation would work. And also, I like want to know who it is. They haven't told anybody that, which for good reason, this person. Oh, no, they their told, life. They told they them. said his name. Yeah. Um, God, let me look him up. His name is like Christian something or other. He's in jail. Ghislaine Maxwell. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I have this crazy theory that Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Waxwell were actually the head of a international human and child traffic trafficking ring and that Ghislaine Maxwell was actually the person who was seen carrying Madeline McCann away from the resort. Um, it's very far-fetched and definitely not true but I like to just think that that's how nefarious they were and how much they got away with shit but you know despite that being not true they are nefarious awful terrible disgusting vile human beings and um, I think that Jeffrey Epstein took the coward's way out I think it had to do with him not wanting to roll on other people that were involved um, if he didn't commit suicide, someone had him killed. Yeah, they did. They Probably did sure. a Clinton or a Trump. So his name is Christian Bruckner. So that's the name of the person in, in yeah, um, he's, I know of he's, interest or the suspect in the Ghislaine Maxwell or in the um, Madeline McCann. Yeah. 
Um, I'm trying to keep like the phone as far away from this thing because oh, so it, it like doesn't. gives static. Yeah. Um, its last name is spelled B R U E C K N E R. I believe he's German. I would probably see Breckner. Breckner. Germans pronounce things really f- fucking weird. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's always like Brook. I guess it would be Breckner. All right, back to Kirk Bloodsworth. Sorry for that. We like to chat sometimes, guys. Yeah, total, total, like, off topic. That's all right. No worries. We've been all over the world now. Yeah. And we're bringing it back to the United States. Yes. We're bringing it back to Baltimore County, mm-hmm. Maryland. Kirk Noble Bloodsworth was born October 31st, 1960. October 31st, best birthday in the world. It's my favorite day, my favorite holiday. Go Halloween. Mm-hmm. Halloween forever. Halloween never dies. <laughs> um, he was in the Marines. He served his full term and then, you know, was honorably discharged from the Marines. Shortly afterwards, he met a woman who, like, basically love at first sight. Like, they decided immediately, like, we're going to get married. So around 4th of July, 1984, he moved to Baltimore. That's when he moved to Baltimore County to be with his wife. He was literally there for less than 30 days. Um, There were seven other people living in his household, and he was the only one with a job. Could you? I would be so pissed. I would be pissed, too. Every day, I'd be so resentful. Yeah. So, basically, he was suffocating. Um, His marriage was under a lot of stress. The living arrangements weren't working out. Um, So, on August third he left baltimore county he basically told his wife i'm going to work i'll come home and take you get tacos later and he went into the work work he quit his job and he without even saying anything moved to a nearby town to stay at his cousin's house so he left his wife without a word like he ghosted her peace out like and she was just at home thinking like I mean, if you didn't want tacos, we could have just not had tacos. (laughs) (laughs) We could have gotten something else. (laughs) So, um, his wife lived in Baltimore County, and then his cousin, where he was living, was in Rosedale, I believe. Not positive about that, guys. Bear with me. Don't quote her on it. (laughs) So, okay. On August... No, yeah. On July 25th, 1984. So when um, Kirk was still living in Baltimore County with his wife, Mm -hmm. a little girl named Dawn Hamilton went out to play hide-and-go-seek with her friends. Like, they had had a sleepover the night before. They had decided they were all going to meet up and go play hide-and-go-seek in the woods. Um, So she came out. She was kind of looking for her friends. There were two boys at a fishing hole or like at a pond or like fishing. I don't know. It was like a fishing hole, whatever. She asked them, um, have you seen my friends? They said, I'm sorry. No, we haven't. She's like, can you help me look for them? They said, no, man, we're fishing. But (laughs) there was some other guy there that was like on a hill behind them. So the sun was kind of like behind the setting sun was behind him so it was casting a shadow so really you could only see like his silhouette yeah he offered to help it was clearly a grown-ass man offering to help this little girl find her friends poor little dawn 
goes off into the woods with this stranger, and that is the last time this little girl was seen alive. This is why we teach stranger danger. Yeah. Yep. So, um, a couple days later... So Kirk says in his interviews, like, he remembers he was sitting in Baltimore County still with his wife when this happened, and it was all over the news, and they were sitting together... And there was this sketch that was provided by the two white witness boys. And the wife looked at him and goes, that kind of looks like you. And he laughed a little bit. And he was like, not really. Also, like, I've been here with you. So, yeah, that makes. Yeah. So it was it was interesting to hear him like recount this. Mm -hmm. All it was just bananas the way everything kind of worked out for him. All right. So that was. um july 25th and then august 3rd is when he left his wife and moved to um, baltimore okay no he moved to rosedale so rosedale is the town where the little girl went missing yeah so he left his wife on august so she went missing 725 83 he left his wife and moved to rosedale from baltimore county the city where she went missing yeah in rosedale Okay. okay so on august 8th the Baltimore City PD came to his friend's house where he was staying and asked to speak with him. So he was like, yeah, no problem. I'd love to help out. He went to jail with the jail with them to be mm-hmm. questioned and he forgot there was pot in his shoe. <laughs> in his shoe. That's what they used to do back oh, then. Shit. <laughs> Hide pot in your shoe. So he walked in and he immediately saw like a known snitch and thought he was going to be arrested for the pot. He was so nervous about the pot in his shoe. Um, but he was questioned by lead detectives for Don Hamilton's case instead. The entire time he was being questioned, there was a bloody rock on the table in front of him. And the detectives even looked at the bottom of his shoes and took a Polaroid of him. Um, and then took him home. When he got home, he could tell that the cops that were, like, still there had been leaning in really hard on the friend that he was staying with. And so they were no longer comfortable with him staying there. Yeah. So he left and he went and stayed with his cousin also in Rosedale. Okay. Um, the two young boys who were likely the last to see Don Hamilton alive, they looked at the Polaroid of Kirk and they were like, well, his hair's too red, but it still kind of looks like him. So basically they're saying it kind of looked like him, but it doesn't really fit the description. Let's, let's trust some kids. Yeah. So, 2.45 a.m. the next day, the next morning, um, the police bang on the door where he was staying at his cousin's house and arrested him for first-degree murder and the rape of Don Hamilton. Trigger warning. (laughs) Um, She was found in the woods in Rosedale. She had been raped with a stick and beaten with a rock and strangled by someone stepping on her throat. Fucking kind of a monster does something like that to a little baby girl like that just i hate i know i hate i hate when people as we all know i talk about kids on my tiktok and i yeah deep down i really fucking hate i could imagine how hard it is with you like having your own children because you have to relate that back to your own personal like like your family you know yeah a lot of people ask me like how do you do this like how do you talk about this all the time and I'm like 
I don't like the to. problem is is that if these were my children I would want somebody to talk about them anybody yeah which is the only absolutely. reason why I do it absolutely because kids cases the kill me mm-hmm. yeah it's hard so those two boys are the ones who helped make the composite sketch which was publicized in the newspaper and on television which is what his wife and he saw when they were sitting on the couch watching television together and then the reason why the rock was on the table is because that was part of what she was bludgeoned with okay but like did homegirl not like come out and say hey no he was like with me at the time is it it, it, was it because she was salty that he he left or like they never even touch on that that was one question that i had and i was like well didn't she testify that he was with him that day like but i honestly at this point i honestly think that they they had their suspect and they weren't looking other places and they weren't looking at other people that's my opinion of course but he was not there when that when it happened he didn't leave until eight days later. Yeah. And then you even have, like, the bullshit with the fucking rock there. That's an intimidation thing. So also what they said in this, um, in one of the sources that I was uh, using is that the two boys were trying to make the composite sketches separately. Mm-hmm. But basically the composite sketch material was, like, 25 options for different facial features. So 25 options for each. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't agree on which options were the best because they weren't really matching the description of this guy. And because they couldn't, uh, could, didn't do it separately, they put them together and had them do it. And that's how they came up with this composite sketch that supposedly looked a little bit like her. Fucking. So he was arrested based on that composite sketch. And also a neighbor of his cousin or the friends that he was staying with called the police to tip them off about his resemblance to the sketch. So that's what led them to him, was the tip-off, based on the composite. Does that make sense? Yeah. All I have to, all I'm sitting here thinking to myself is, red flag. Red Mm -hmm. flag. Red flag. Run, Run away. Yeah, totally. Get somebody else. So, there was actually an additional composite sketch that the boys originally made. Um, and they, the officers weren't happy with it. So they crumbled it up and threw it away. And someone actually from the police office did not like that and thought it was sus. So they dug it out of the trash and saved it. And it, it was brought up in court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, before they arrested Kirk and before Kirk was on their profile, they actually had another suspect named Kimberly Shea Ruffner in custody. Remember that fucking name. Remember that fucking name. He was in custody. And he had already been convicted of raping two girls. Two girls. And they let this motherfucker go. Let him go. Let him go. As I throw my hands in the air. <laughs> but did the original sketch look like him? Um, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be like the next question I have. <laughs> So those boys did not pick Kirk out of a suspect or lineup of six people. They did not pick him. Red flag. Yeah. No, the parents literally called the police back after the fact, after they left and said that the kids made a mistake and the real perpetrator was suspect number six. Red flag. Kirk Bloodsworth. Yeah. It's I'm going to get dude. like a flag that I yeah. see. Too bad flag. people can't see us throwing it in the air. <laughs> we need a red one and a white one. Red is just you know sus and white is i fucking give up dude i give up (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Um, so the boys, so they didn't pick him out of the lineup. They, mm-hmm. they, and they called back later. They said that the real person was actually suspect number six, which was Kirk Bloodsworth. But their original description of this man was six foot five tall and very thin with straight blonde hair and a dark tan. Y'all, Kirk Bloodsworth was slightly overweight. Mm-hmm. He had curly, bright red hair with pale skin that wouldn't tan if he fucking sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. And he was only 5'10". Yeah. I have heard about this case a little bit, and I have seen him. So Tell me how the fuck you not. make a 7-inch mistake in height. Like, 6'5 is fucking tall, dude. That is. And also, like, skinny and, like, blonde and red are totally different. Like, mm-hmm. okay. I would, I would, and, and that's the thing, is, like, I would imagine even with, like, the sun hitting you from a certain way. You could still tell. A redhead would be very. It would glow in the fucking dark. Yeah, it would glow <laughs> in that in that. I sunlight. am a pale blonde, and my hair, I my skin glows in the dark. Yeah. Yours glows in the dark. Oh, it's yeah. very porcelain. <laughs> Especially my legs. Like, we're not fucking around. No. <laughs> So, um, uh, in September of 1984, Kirk Bloodsworth was indicted by a grand jury. The day before his trial began, his lawyer came to visit him in jail and was like, dude, just come clean. Come clean. We'll catch it. We'll, we'll plea. We'll get a deal. Just admit what you did and, that, like, let this be over with. So, he was enraged, obviously. Like, Kirk yeah. was... I would be, too, if even your own attorney thought that you were guilty... Despite the bullshit evidence, in quotation marks, evidence. At that point, like, would he even be able to get a new attorney? Because I would be wanting a new attorney. I think at that point it would probably be too late. Well, also, like, can also, but if he goes through with it, he has the opportunity to say ineffective counsel and use this as the basis. Well, yeah, that's that's true. But he probably wasn't even thinking of that stuff right now. Nor did he probably even know his options because your average Joe doesn't know shit like that. And I will say, so, like, one thing I'm going to, like, point out here for everybody. It does, even though it does make you look a little bit more guilty, always have an attorney before you speak to police. Just do it. Unless it's, like, very, very basic information. Like, if this is an interview that goes into, like, if they bring you back. If they're taking you in, you need to get an attorney. Additionally, like, you need to know if. If you if you feel uncomfortable at any point in time, you ask them if you're under arrest. And if they say no, you fucking get out of there. Leave. Leave and go get an attorney right then. Yeah. It does. I mean, because a lot of people have given a lot of shit to uh, Brian Laundrie's family because they got him an attorney. And they were like, oh, it makes him look guilty. But that's the thing is that he had every right. As much as we don't like it, he had every right to do yeah. that. Did it make him look guilty? Yeah. Was he guilty? Yeah. Yeah. But he had that right. That was his right. Look, trust your gut, shut your fucking mouth, and get an attorney. Yeah. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. All right. So, at trial, five people, five fucking people testified that they saw Kirk with Don just before her murder. Five eyewitness testimonies. Two were the boys. Who the fuck else? Who the fuck else saw him? 
Now I genuinely want to know where his wife was because, like, she just kind of was, like, back in Baltimore County, like, just bloop. Well, that's what I mean is, like, did she... I literally don't think they even fucking asked her shit. And honestly, his lawyer thought she was he was guilty, so why would he go try to find him? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying is I think she's probably, like, salty towards this whole entire situation because, honestly, like, I would have volunteered myself and said, nope, he was with me. I would have anyways. Who wants an innocent person to go to prison? Well, yeah. For sure. So, anyway, So, she had to have been salty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She wanted those fucking tacos. I'd have been pissed if somebody left after they said they were going to get me tacos, too. Tacos with Rotten hell, bitch. <laughs> tacos with some margaritas. Like, I'm talking authentic from a good place. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Rotten hell. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> so, by March of 1985, he was convicted and sentenced to death. And he was only 23 years old. And they convicted him and sentenced him to death based on five eyewitness testimonies and a composite sketch that was bullshit. Those jerks. There was literally no other evidence. No other evidentiary support to at prove all. that it was him. No, no motive, no witness. nothing. No, no, you know, history or track record. Nothing. Nothing. They never looked at any other suspects. There were men with records, men with extremely suspicious activity surrounding them. Activity including the persuasion of children with candy and the rape of two other girls. They never fucking looked at anyone else. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that's just shit policing. It's probably because it was a small town. Honestly, they really didn't even have to do that much homework to find the right person, in my opinion. They just zeroed in on Kirk for God knows what reason, this poor man. And he's so cute. He's like... He looks like... Well, like, I've seen picture. He's, like, older now. Yeah. He looks like a... He, he looks like, like a goddamn grandpa. grandpa Santa. Like, if he grew a beard, he, looked, he looks like he would be Santa Claus. I think he does have a beard. He has, like, a short little beard. Like, yeah. if he grew it out. Yeah, and it's, like, pure white. Yes. Pure white. Because he's, he's a redhead. He's so cute. All right, anyways. Um, so he was sent to the notorious Maryland House of Correction, which was nicknamed The Cut or The House, and put he was put on death row there. Um, this prison is referenced many times in the show The Wire that's based out of, like, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at, they call it The Cut. Um, it was infamous for the high levels of violence that took place within its walls, and it had a history of harsh living conditions and dangerous con- conditions for correctional officers. It was opened in 1879. There were famous large prison riots that occurred in 1945, 1964, and 1972. In July of 2006, a correctional officer was killed. And then in March of 2007, the prison was closed officially and demolition began on, in 2014. Before the demolition began, and I think even now, there's still parts of it that are still there. It's used as the set of filming, like, a lot, a lot. Hmm. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, but it was a shit prison. Um, Kirk was regularly threatened by other inmates. I mean, obviously, um, I don't know if y'all know this, but people in prison don't fucking like child murderers and rapists. No. No. Like that's a that's a sh- scary fucking life to go in there and live. And he doesn't talk about his experience in prison, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine he was treated very well. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of times they end up in solitary. 
Like, for example, like, apparently... Well, death row's solitary anyways. Well, like, you're alone. Yeah, well, but, like, for example, Josh Duggar spent his fucking 34th birthday in solitary. That guy's an actual piece of shit. Like, when are they going to actually just put him in prison and make him just stay there? Um, I know that I think his um, sentencing is He's in the disgusting. end of May. He's a child predator. There's, like, fucking rumors that, that Hannah family. is pregnant with her eighth child. Like, how? How did that happen? It would have been in a one-month span of like time. she's, like, less than 30 years old. She's less than 30 and she's is she, got eight is she really that? Is she really that young? I thought I she was know. in her 30s. Maybe, but that's still a lot of fucking kids. I couldn't <sighs> even imagine having one. So, Kirk was regularly threatened by other inmates. Um, he lived every single day in fear every single time he was let out of his cell for food or sunlight he was worried that he would be attacked he lived in a cell smaller in diameter diameter than what his arm span was and he had to shove tissues in his ears at night to keep the cockroaches from crawling in and nesting this is why people kill themselves in prison because I would it's fucking gross he tells this story about so, like, in this prison, death row is on the bottom floor, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, there's several floors above it. But it's, like, basically open. Like, you can look up from the bottom and see every floor above you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, their balconies, essentially. He said that the power went out one night. And everybody on the top floors went fucking bananas. Like a, like a small child. Like, they just went crazy. Yeah. They started shoving shit down the toilets and the sinks to clog them. And as a result, all this water and sewage and shit in the dark. Like, it's pure dark. And all of a sudden, it just starts... Shit just starts falling on him and hitting him in the head. So, I don't know exactly what I was, like, watching. But it was a show about people in jail. And apparently, people will, like, do that. They'll shove stuff into toilets because then it does something with the toilet and they're able to talk with people like further down yeah so i have seen where they will like use the um toilet systems to to, like pass notes and shit to people on lower floors and like basically it's a crapshoot like and you pray that it's going to get to them but like yes yeah, you, I've heard of this. I, hey, I'm talking about this bitch over in cell. This it's a crapshoot. Literally. literally going to her, <laughs> talking about her. <laughs> so, um, that experience, I mean, that, that was his life in there. Um, he, he said that the, the power finally came on and he looked around him and there was just, like, shit and piss and, like, tissues and clothes and like a a cloud of fucking cockroaches scurrying away and fucking rats and like these were like inhumane conditions he basically was living in a fucking sewage pipe that's part of the reason probably why it got shot down it wasn't all about violence it was because it was overrun I'm assuming I mean could you imagine having to shove tissue in your ears to keep the cockroaches out no, I'm telling you, I would I would literally unalive myself. I would find a way to do it. They, um, I mean, I've seen videos where, like, the ear doctors go in and, like, the, somebody's Ugh. got a blockage in their ear and, like, this legit happens to people. I know. Like, it's not uncommon. Like, that's fucking gnarly. Oh, dude. I would. I would I would definitely unalive yeah, myself. Yeah, there's no way. There's I, no point in I living I couldn't live that like point. that. Um, 
1989, he was gifted a book called The Blooding, and it was about the first time that DNA evidence was ever used in a criminal case about the murder of two girls in the UK. This guy's name was Colin Pitchfork. <laughs> I remember you telling yeah. me, talking about this one. Um, he basically had an epiphany, and he was like, if they can use DNA evidence to convict a person, then they can use it to exonerate you, right? So basically what happened is in this small town in the UK, they tested every single male person Mm-hmm. for their DNA and they thought they had it all and that none of them came back positive so they thought basically they were screwed because it was some outsider that came in and did this Right. but then they heard in like the diner some guy bragging that he took the test for someone else so they found that guy they found out who he took the test for they tested that guy and right. he was positive and it wasn't actually Colin Pitchfork and he was from that town and that's how he was convicted using DNA evidence so Kirk's like, if they can convict him, they can exonerate him, right? Right. So, basically, he knew there was sperm left because he had read over the case files again and again and again and again. Like, trying to find some sort of answer. Trying to find a way to get him off of this. Right. So, um, he wrote the DA a letter. He said he wanted to use the technology to test himself and then the test to crime scene evidence. And she told him that the DNA evidence had been destroyed. This is the same DA who convicted him. Turns out they just couldn't find it. Hmm. So in March of 1989, after someone called in a favor for Kirk, attorney Bob Morin, a well-known defense attorney, he goes to visit him in prison. He goes there to tell him, no, like, I can't take this case on. It's a waste of my time they convicted you but kirk had only a few minutes to convince him otherwise to convince him to take the case um and he did it he did it and he convinced him to take it on pro bono so that's amazing so bob moran went to the courthouse after he took on the case he went to the courthouse records hall two times and searched floor to ceiling wall to wall and he could not find this evidence and then after a phone call kirk convinced him you know please just one more time please go back and check one more time it's got to be there somewhere like Mm -hmm. i can't imagine like this is my thing this this is all i've got please so bob does he obliges he goes back one more time um and at he did he couldn't find it he didn't find it in the records room as he's leaving he passes in the hallway and struck strikes up a conversation with um like a, a clerk the court clerk and the clerk said oh i know where that's at it's in the judge's closet on the floor in a box this motherfucker goes up there and immediately finds it like they found it just chilling in the judge's closet on a floor in a cardboard box dna evidence isn't that bananas so my brain automatically jumps to the fact that the DA knew exactly where it was and just didn't want to fucking tell anybody. For sure. For sure. They had to have known that this was shit case. This man should have never been convicted, dude. Eyewitness testimony is not reliable. No. Especially from children. Especially in a traumatic event. Also, like, when you're recalling something, you're actually recalling the last time you remembered it. So it can literally change throughout the years. 
Yeah, you're, you're... You're rewriting it every time. You're changing it. It's like a game of telephone. Yeah. Like, think how many times, like, somebody... You are thinking about a memory, and then you recall it, but then you look up pictures, and it's completely different. Yeah. yeah. So this is what, like, is the huge problem Mandela with eye weakness. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mandela effect. Anyways, that's totally off base. <laughs> So they fucking found this evidence, right? Bob Morin paid out of pocket for all of the testing in this case. And not only did he pay out of pocket for it, he had the best geneticist in the country do it. Yeah. Y'all, it took one half of one fucking cell to exclude Kirk Bloodsworth as the murderer. Hell yeah. One half of one cell. I think I said this the last time, but um, that's the real MVP right here. One? That one half of that one cell is the MVP? No. I agree. Lawyer. Oh. But Bob but- Morin's, yeah, he actually goes on to be, like, very well, like, he was already well known. He's, he does good for himself. Lawyer Bob. Lawyer Bob. Bob Morin. Bob seemed to be prevalent in our stories. Yeah, I know. Like, Grandpa Bob. Grandpa Bob. G-Pop <laughs> Bob. <laughs> So after he gets this information, Kirk literally calls everyone that will listen to him speak to tell them that one half of one blood cell excluded him from being the murderer of Don Hamilton and that he is an innocent man. And two months to the day from receiving those original test results, he walked out of prison a free man. Hell yeah, bitches. Yep. The day he walked out of prison, he sell- he felt like Alice in Wonderland stepping through the looking glass and into a different world. Because he had been in prison for so long. Yeah. And lived that horrible life for so long. And literally for no reason. I can only imagine. It's cases like this and many other cases why I do not... I mean, I'm on the fence regularly, but I do not believe in the death penalty because of the number of people that I have seen exonerated by advanced yeah. technology and uh, you know DNA evidence mm-hmm. and things of that nature yeah. but, and then the, the cases of people that were just railroaded dude it's just fucked how many, how many innocent people have we killed in this country I trust me listening to these cases I've, I've thought about that I don't know how many times like how many people have we killed um that were innocent yeah and and that's the thing is a lot of people are like okay so this is for the greater good this is for the greater good but the thing is is that if it's you you're not going to be thinking that this is for the greater good if this is your loved one you're not going to be thinking that this is for the greater good this is why a lot of people from other countries have serious issues with what we do in our country as in regards to not only the death penalty, but like, um, what am I thinking here? Like our criminal justice system in general. In general, the the prison system was initially um, it's conceptualized reform. as a place reform. for reform. It is no longer that. It right. is no longer that. It is a place. It is a system designed for recidivism. Mm-hmm. It, you get a fucking bill when you get out of jail for room and board, basically. Did you know that? You get a fucking bill. Oh, no, I didn't know You have to pay for your time in prison uh, in a lot of places, especially if it's a privatized prison system. So if you get out of jail and you have a record, so it's really hard to find a job, but you have Mm -hmm. all these bills that you have to pay, what do you do? 
when the only decisions that you have or the only choices you have are bad choices well this is this is why like when i went into criminal justice and i ended up deciding to go into nursing the reason why was because it really became very apparent there's there's really no helping people if you're in the criminal justice yeah. system and that's what i wanted to do was help people yeah so i just said you know fuck it i want to go into a job that i can help people yeah kirk bloodsworth was in prison for eight years 10 months and 19 days as an innocent fucking man on death row shoving tissue paper in his ears to keep the cockroaches from crawling in and having sewage fall on his head whenever the power went out fucking terrible his mom died five months to the day before he was released she was always in his corner. She Ugh. always believed he was innocent. And she always thought that he would be exonerated and get out of prison one day. So much so that she left her house to him when she died. Maybe so. maybe it was the angel wings that her lawyer, that his lawyer Bob, like, ran into that yeah. clerk. Maybe she, maybe she kind of pushed it that direction. Maybe. I, w- I like to think that. That'd be beautiful. So, he was released and went back to her house, his childhood home where he grew up. Um, He said, most people don't realize how important something is. I ate with a plastic spoon for nine years and now I had a silver fork to eat with. He said he could make toast at 4.30 a.m. if he wanted and he fucking did. He fucking did. I remember you telling And when he did, he called Bob Moore and his attorney and woke him up at 4.30 in the fucking morning (laughs) to tell him, freedom is so sweet. It's the little things that remind me all the time. Yeah. I'm making fucking toast at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Bob's like, cool. It's 4.30 in the morning, Kirk. I'm going to go to sleep now. <laughs> Enjoy your toast. Kirk's like, I fucking will. <laughs> of course. Um, the state said that they have, if they had the DNA evidence in 1984, they would have never tried Kirk. But that they would not... They were not ready to say he was completely innocent in the matter. They would have never tried him, but we can't say that he's innocent. I'm not completely convinced that they wouldn't have, like, hid some DNA evidence to, like... Yeah. Well, this is how I translate it. We don't think you're innocent, because if we say you're innocent... Then You can sue us. Yeah. Which I also found out there's this entire, like, um, certification process that you have to go to when you're wrongfully convicted... Like, you go through this whole process to get certified as wrongfully convicted, which is basically the state saying, yeah, this is all bullshit. It should have never happened. You were wrongfully convicted. And once you get that stamp of approval, that's when you can file a lawsuit. You have to wait until that happens. You can't just do it, I guess. What the hell? Yeah, I, I just saw this in a documentary about it. Is day. that almost like their way of trying to, like, push out the statute of limitations? Like, is there a statute There's of limitations? There's not a statute of limitations. <laughs> statute. Did you said statue? I didn't mean to say statute. <laughs> statute. Yes, there is a statue somewhere. <laughs> if anybody has watched my TikToks, you know I can't fucking speak. I got. I, I got, think you just try to speak too fast, I and speak you like too forget fast. things. <laughs> I speak too fast. That's my. That's like my big thing. Is I think like we're all guilty of that. Sometimes. I speak too fast, and then sometimes things come out. Like I get easily tongue tied in general, even when I'm talking kind of slow. But I get it's worse when I'm talking fast. Yeah. Yeah. So they released Kirk back into the general public under the guise that they still thought that he could be guilty. So as a result. 
of them trying to cover their fucking asses in the event of a wrongful conviction lawsuit. On a daily basis, even as a free man, he was met with death threats in his home. Of course. Yes. People still thought he was guilty because nobody came out and said he's innocent. innocent. So he still got sideways looks all the time. And I still think that, like, even if he was innocent, there's still that fucking smear on his name where people are always going to kind of have in the back of their mind that maybe he is guilty, you know? And be cognizant of that when associating with him. You can't ever really wash your reputation of that, I think. Yeah, people are always going to question. So, Kirk said that his motivating factor was always to bring Dawn to justice. Aww. He he wanted whoever killed her in such a brutal manner to pay for what they did. He even offered to pay to test other men's DNA against the crime scene evidence in Dawn's case. Out of his own fucking pocket of nothing. (laughs) His pocket of nothing. He's like, I'll pay. I'm sure, like, some people would view that as more like a, um, the motivation is to get other people to stop pointing the fingers at him. Like, you know what I mean? But... Well, no, he wanted the person who he served time for to serve time for them goddamn selves. Well, I know. I know. I'm just saying from from an outsider perspective, and if you believe he's guilty, they're going to sit there and go, oh, of course, like, you just want to, you just, you just want to stop pointing the finger. At you. Well, they said he couldn't pay for it because it would be a conflict of interest since he was still a fucking suspect. You're still a suspect, even though you've been exonerated by DNA evidence, so you can't pay for this. So it took the state of Maryland 10 fucking years, a decade, a decade, a decade to submit, to even submit the DNA test against the evidence. The Baltimore County prosecutor called Kirk and told him they had an update and to meet her anywhere. This is the same fucking bitch who couldn't, who said that the evidence was destroyed. He's like, I'll meet you at Burger King. I could go for a Whopper. (laughs) I like, I like their fries a lot. In fact, you're going to buy my Whopper, bitch. So she met him. She wouldn't even meet him alone. She came with two detectives. Oh, Christ. Yeah. And stated that they had a cold hit on the real killer. And guess what his fucking name was? The the dude that from Kimberly Shea Ruffner, who they originally had in fucking custody and had committed two rapes and released just before Don Hamilton's murder. Like, how fucking well do those puzzle pieces fit together that you could just fucking ignore that and arrest somebody else and put them in prison with nothing (laughs) guess what Kimberly was only 5'6 and was in prison for some time with with Kirk and never fucking said anything about being the person who actually committed it well why wouldn't you yeah I don't know (laughs) So he was only 5'6". He was not 6'5". He was even shorter than Kirk. So being up on the hill with the sun behind him. I mean, just look. Witness testimony is bullshit. Especially from a child. Period. Period. Well, yeah. Especially if you're, like, if you're a child, everybody's going to look like a giant to you. Yeah. Yep. So eventually Kirk did sue the state of Maryland for his wrongful conviction and imprisonment. You know how much money he got? Not enough. <laughs> It's never enough, girl. But after nine fucking years in prison on death row in hellacious conditions, 
They gave him a measly $300,000. That ain't shit. That even can buy a... That can barely buy a fucking house. That can't buy a house in a lot of places. You know, I've said fuck you way too much many times in this whole entire episode, but fuck you. Fuck that. Yeah. He stated, he said, it doesn't do me any good to soil my soul and have hatred towards anybody that did anything to me. This fucking man is a saint, dude. He's a fucking saint. He's now a public speaker and a saint. (laughs) (laughs) And an advocate for repealing the death penalty. Of course. Um, He says that talking about his journey through the Maryland criminal justice system is his catharsis. It's what helps him get through it. I'm sure he has a lot of fucking therapy, too. But, you know, this is kind of his therapy. Yeah. On March 7th, 2018, with Kirk sitting in the front row of the Maryland, uh, like, court system, the state of Maryland repealed the death penalty. Kirk was at the forefront of that fight. And he fucking won. He fucking won. The number of people that have been exonerated from death row since 1973 is 156. For every 10 people who have ex- who's been executed since the death penalty was reinstated in the United States, one person has been set free. So that's at least 10% of people on death row are innocent and have been set free with DNA evidence. And this is what I'm saying. That I don't like those odds. These are, these are people, you think it's for the greater good until all of a sudden it's your loved one, it's your child, it's, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so sorry, but how many fucking innocent people have we killed? I mean, we can go all the way back to... There was, like, a a 15-year-old boy that was convicted of murder in the South, of course. He was a a black man. Yeah, I was about to say he was a black. A black boy. He was a child. And he was wrongly convicted and literally executed immediately. Mm -hmm. And they proved him innocent recently, like, within the last couple years. Yeah. Like, a fucking baby. Like, he is a baby. He has no idea what he's doing in his life. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't know who he is. He's just trying to be good and get through things, and this horrible thing happened to him. I just think... The criminal justice system's not perfect, and because of its imperfections, we shouldn't be killing people. Yeah. Like, we should recognize that things aren't perfect, and that we make mistakes, and as a result we're going to probably not have the death penalty anymore. Right. So, kids. (laughs) Oh, and for people that have that argument that, like, oh, but we're feeding them and we're doing this. And, no, it's actually, like, been proven time and time and time again that it's more expensive to keep them on death row than it is to keep them in jail for the rest of their lives. And if you really think about it, like if you think about the conditions in that jail, what is real punishment? Having to spend 60 years of your life with cockroaches crawling in your ear or just being put to death. Yeah. What is actual punishment? Yeah. It's bad, girl. In my opinion, death hell of a lot hell of a lot better yeah than wading through totally human shit and having cockroaches and just wasting away and a lot of times like they'll be in solitary like there's a a story that just came out that there's a man who's been in solitary confinement for 30 fucking years and he's appealing to the state to let him out of solitary 
You know how much damage that has to do on your psyche and on your mental health? Like, that would break a person. That would break you. Yeah. 30 years? He's probably no longer. I I can't believe he was sane enough to ask to be released, to be super honest. Anyways, kids. Those are the people that should go into space because they can actually probably at that point in time handle it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) no shit. That kind of solitary confinement on the international, which is there, you know, they're bringing the International Space Station down, right? I thought it was just supposed to slowly start falling down. Um, they've got like a timeline for things, but yeah, they're bringing it down. Yeah. Anyways, totally digress on that. Yeah. Um, this was a heavy episode. I think we covered a lot of like really important things, lots of opinions. Um, I'd like to hear your guys' opinions if they're nice, in a nice way. <laughs> I'm sure some people will. What do we say? Can be comments, compliments, concerns, questions. Yeah. Here's the thing: if you disagree with like opinions, that's fine. Just that's be fine. nice about it. Just don't be, be a nice. dick. Also, like, don't be set in your ways because there might be someday when somebody will make a point to you that will really make you think. Or you, or you literally have, um. Like Something an epiphany hit, hit hit you in the face yeah. and you're humbled real yeah, real totally. hard. Yeah. So that being said, my sources for this episode were the 2016 documentary Bloodsworth an Innocent Man. Great documentary. Literally, you guys, it's firsthand accounts from Kirk himself about the process and about his story and about how he literally was sitting in jail feeling just bad for leaving his wife without tacos. Literally, he talks about how bad he felt for just, like, ghosting her and leaving her without tacos. He actually thinks of it. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. This poor fucking man <laughs> is sitting on death row, and all he can think about is the tacos that he didn't get his wife and just fucking Probably left her. Probably because she would have come out and said, no, he was with me if she had gotten those damn tacos. Probably. Probably, man. Um, I also looked at ncadp.org wikipedia.org and history.com for this case mm-hmm. that's the end of that you guys look up our new pro- Podbean. look at our um websites leave comments send us emails at murderpornpodcast at gmail.com comment and dm on the website too listen to our other episodes we got some good stuff going um and we're probably um next week it might be gerard schaefer Oh, maybe okay. I think I'm gonna look something up too. Maybe we can record two episodes next week. But I already know what I'm doing. It's Ed Gein. Yeah. So that's what we've got coming your way, guys. Um, Gerard Schaefer, maybe question mark, and Ed Gein for fucking sure. Gerard Schaefer is definitely going to be coming. Yep. So hold on sure. to your nipples, literally. <laughs> Heck yeah! Don't go any around around any devil's trees. <laughs> <laughs> You'll understand that when she uh, don't put pot in your shoes, guys. Don't put pot in your shoes. <laughs> don't don't murder people. Be safe. Make good choices. Yeah, totes my goats. Yeah. All right, guys. All That's right. it. Bye. Bye.